Welcome to the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra for Jornada Dos of the 2017 Apertura in Liga MX. And let's get straight into things today and start with the big topic we're going to talk about, which is crossing. This is something that uh, I've been having a think about after looking at some statistics from the weekend's action because we had a quite unordinary amount of goals stemming from crosses in the second week of um, football in Mexico. So in total, over the whole week, we had uh, we had we had twenty one goals in the weekend's action, eight of which came from crosses, and that doesn't include set pieces. I'm talking crosses from open play. Uh, two for Atlas, one for America, two for Lobos Puap, one for Pumas, and two for Toluca. So eight goals in total coming from crosses. Now, there's a very, very interesting section of the Soconomics book uh, which talks about crossing. And it refers to the Liverpool team back in um, so 2010-11, I think it is. Uh, and when they had, uh, at, they spent massive money on Andy Carroll and they also brought in players like Stuart Downing and, and Jordan Henderson. And the tactic, the idea was was to build a team around crossing and try to um, you know bring in successful crossers like Stuart Downing and someone who is very good in the air, um, Andy Carroll. And it didn't work. There's a really interesting stat from this season, um, from the 2011-2012 season, that says that uh, Liverpool hit more crosses than any other Premier League team across the whole season. 421 from open play. The problem was their conversion rate was absolutely atrocious. Uh, The worst rate in the whole of the league. They scored just a single goal from 421 crosses so uh, yeah an atrocious rate I think that's the best way to describe it and clearly a a great way to waste possession waste good possession in the final third and um, yeah not not create goals and not cause too many problems for the opposition and so in soccer economics they go on to to say that you know, Liverpool had selected the wrong strategy, and that um, they they had, you know, brought in the right players to exploit crosses, but that they they uh, they picked the wrong tactic. You know, crosses wasn't a successful way, and if they'd have looked at some more stats in detail, they'd have seen that crossing is normally a very inefficient way to score goals. Bringing this into the latest week of Liga Mekis action, um, I've got some numbers for you. So, in the whole of the week, 288 crosses were attempted, with 73 uh, being accurate. So that is almost exactly 25%. So only 25% of all the crosses attempted uh, were accurate, actually ended up finding a teammate. Now that, I'm comparing this to some data I've seen from the Premier League, 
and that is quite a high rate uh, in comparison. So the data I've got um, showed that, that I'm not sure what, what season this is from. I think this is a couple of seasons ago. The best success rate in the Premier League uh, were West Ham, who had 2449 uh, and some teams were as low as 15% success rate. So an overall success rate in the league of just over 25% is very high in comparison to, to that stat about those stats in the Premier League. But it's still really low, I mean, to think that only a quarter of the crosses you put in the box are even going to find a teammate. You know, let, we're not even getting into whether they manage to get a shot off, whether they manage to hit the target, whether they manage to score. Just purely, it reaches, it finds a teammate. Three quarters of the crosses that were put into the box in Liga Mekis last week weren't found by a teammate. It was the ball was lost. It was intercepted. It was, um, or maybe it went straight out of play. But the end result was. You know, three quarters of the time that a cross was going into the box, the ball was lost. That is um, quite a crazy rate. I mean, imagine if we were talking about that sort of rate for passing. You know, we'd, if a player had, had made 25% of their passes in a match, we'd be saying, you know, how, how terrible this player was. Um, and obviously the two aren't directly comparable, but... It still shows us that you know, crossing is a very inefficient method of, of trying to look for goals. But in week two, we had eight goals from crosses. A lot of goals, as I said before. But these eight goals still came from 288 attempts. So in terms of percentage, we're looking at about 2.8% of crosses led to goals so almost three percent now that's a dramatic improvement on Liverpool's percentage from the 2011-12 season in the Premier League which was obviously extraordinarily bad but this is still I mean this was a freak week eight goals from crosses is uh, amazing it's it's very high I mean there were three goals from crosses in um, the first week of, of play this season so it, it is clearly a, a high rate and yet we're still only talking about less than 3% of the crosses that were put into the box ending up in the back of the net now I, I'm going to have to at some point do a bit more digging into other stats and see how that compares uh, to, to other attempts to score a goal and, and their success rate but it appears that Crossing is a very inefficient way of, of scoring a goal, even in a week where there was a, a lot of goals from crosses. I mean, to rely on the fact that you're going to score um, 3% of the time as, as a best-case scenario, uh, as a manager, I, I wouldn't be wanting to place too much <laughs> emphasis on this strategy because you know if, if if there's a goal for every three percent of crosses that are put into the box that means that and this is a freak week you know the, 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 as I said before this could be lower normally yeah if this is the success rate 
then you've got to put in like over 30 crosses to expect to score a goal from them. No team in week two of Liga Mekis put in over 30 crosses. So, yeah, uh, statistically, it doesn't look like crosses. It doesn't look like crossing is a fantastic way to score goals. That's for sure. Let's take a little deeper now and look at some team crossing statistics. So what is very, very interesting when we look at the teams who put in the most crosses in our Jornada Dos is how unsuccessful these teams were. So the three teams who put in the most crosses this week were Pachuca, Leon and Tijuana. Three teams who played really poorly and three teams who managed just a goal between them. Pachuca have been on an awful run in front of goal, scoring in just two of their last 10 Liga Mekis games. I'm only looking at this week's stats, but perhaps this shows us they're relying too much on crossing to try and find the back of the net. Yeah, I, I, that is just so interesting for me. The three teams that put in the most crosses uh, were teams that lost and, and teams that lost pretty poorly. Uh, and all three um, were very disappointing in the second week of, of action this season. It really makes you question whether their performance as a whole was poor or whether they're just selecting the incorrect strategy in the final third in order to find the back of the net. Two teams that have been extremely successful in terms of crosses this season and were in Jornada Dos are Lobos Buap and Atlas. Now, Atlas have uh, three goals from crosses this season, scored two uh, this week. Lobos have four goals from crosses this season. Uh, and again, like Atlas, scored two this week. Um, could be argued they scored three, but I'm only looking at open play crosses here. So the set piece goal that Massa Rodriguez scored, uh, I'm not counting here. So I'm saying they scored two goals from crosses, which was the header from Julian Quinones and uh, the volley from Juan Carlos Medina. So Lobos only put in 13 crosses. So that's almost half the amount as Pachuca, yet they scored two goals. Now in Lovas' case, perhaps we have to think uh, that they're kind of anomalies because the goals were so good. So Quinones' header was absolutely absolutely outstanding. The way he managed to flick it into the top corner of the net. And even better was the goal from Medina, a first-time left-footed volley right into the corner. Atlas put in more crosses than Lobos, 18 in total, and are a side that do have a fair reliance on crossing to find the back of the net. Uh, they are very successful down the wings, particularly with their attacking fullbacks, Luis Reyes on the left, Jose Madueña on the right, and they've attempted to increase their success rate of crosses this season by bringing in Milton Caraglio. Milton Caraglio, uh, a big target man. So far, the, the, the crossing tactic has worked quite well for Atlas, but still, it's interesting to see that they put in 18 crosses uh, this week. You know, that's less than the three teams I mentioned before, Pachuca, Cholos, Leon. It's also less than Veracruz, who didn't score, and Santos, who scored one goal this week. Not from a cross. 
So I think these are some really fascinating stats and it's something that I'm going to have to keep an eye on and try to look at in more detail as the season wears on and we get more data. Obviously, only two weeks in, there can be a danger in looking too much into stats this early on because you know anomalies take place in one-off games. But as the season builds up, we'll start to get a clear idea of just how successful crossing is in the Yamekis. And hopefully I'll, I'll be able to come up with some stuff about uh, the success rate of other attempts to find the back of the net. But yeah, just to reiterate, there was a 25% success rate in, in terms of finding a teammate in crosses in week two of Liga Mekis. And in terms of finding the back of the net, it was just under 3%. And that was in a week where we saw eight goals scored from crosses. So perhaps a, a much higher rate than usual. Really interesting stuff. And should be the sort of thing that sides like Pachuca and Leon and, and uh, Tijuana, who have struggled in recent weeks, these are the sorts of stats that um, people at the club should be looking at and, and analysing and thinking, do we have to change our game? Do we have to alter the way we play? Because between the three of those teams, they've scored just one goal this season. You think something has to change. There can only be one player of the week this week, and that is Cecilio Dominguez. Now, after an extraordinary run of games the last season, he built up a real hype around him. And it was always going to be difficult for Cecilio to live up to that hype. But I tell you what, he went above and beyond it on Saturday against Pachuca. Two goals. The first one, a really well-placed header, incidentally. Goal from across. This is another interesting thing. I forgot to mention this earlier. America attempted three crosses. Three crosses on, on Saturday. They scored one. Goal from it. Uh, and it was pinpoint ball from Paolo Aguilar. And a, a almost perfect header. I, I, I hate to use the word perfect, but it was an almost perfect header from Cecilio. Low into the corner. Very, very little chance for uh, Perez in goal. Then the second goal, obviously created by Darwin, Darwin Quintero, outstanding run into the box. Um, Romero, Silvio Romero did really well to keep the ball in play and Cecilio kept his composure and volleyed the ball home. Two goals and he could have had even more of an impact on the match. Uh, he should really have won two penalties. He had two penalty calls, incorrectly in my opinion, uh, turned down. He just was an absolute nightmare to deal with on the day I mean his there's something about his dribbling style which is just so nice to watch he's such a classy dribbler he he glides with the ball he's you know with his, his long sleeves he just sort of glides past players he was successful with five dribble attempts uh, against Pachuca and was fouled on three occasions and as, as I said earlier probably should have been five uh, fouls if, if they, those two uh, penalty calls had been given to him. So an outstanding performance from Cecilio. He's going to be so much fun to watch in the next few weeks. A few questions to get through today. First one from at Kevster2 asks, what's going on with Pachuca and their goal drought? Um, and can any conclusions be made with the friendlies with Atletico Madrid, Porto and Liga Mekis teams? Pachuca and the goal drought, well, I've mentioned that already. 
I think perhaps they're attempting too many crosses. I've gone through that. Another thing I mentioned about Pachuca and their goal drought is Victor Guzman. So Guzman's been playing an attacking midfield role more or less ever since Rodolfo Pizarro got injured back in the um, Olympics last season. And I don't like him there. I think he works hard, but... I don't think he has the attacking talent, the creativity, the dribbling ability to really create things for Pachuca. He's playing in such an important role, the number 10 position, and I just don't think it suits him. I really don't. Um, Yeah, I'm not a fan of him there. I'm really not. And I think that Kazuke Honda can't come soon enough. I think Pachuca could really, really do with him. There's also a question about Frank Ojara. He hasn't been in such great form lately. You know, maybe this is because there's a lack of service for him. Maybe it's because he's not the best player in the air and Pachuca are putting in too many crosses. But I'm seeing him drop deep a lot. His average position is really deep lately. A lot of the time he's been almost around or behind Victor Guzman and inevitably Pachuca's wingers end up as the furthest forward players. Maybe Jara's dropping too deep trying to get on the ball and make things happen in his frustration at Pachuca's lack of success in front of goal but maybe he needs to keep that discipline, um, hold the line and and try and break through the defensive line on, on a few more occasions. The other question about the friendlies, no I don't think any conclusions can be made. I never like to judge teams on friendlies. I think that it's unwise to do so. They're not real games. They don't have the real intensity. Um, There are a lot of players that are not going full out. They don't want to risk getting injured or overly fatigued in pre-season. Pre-season is just about getting used to each other, getting used to the tactic. getting match fit um, it's not about the results and I, I don't think you can learn too much um, just to give an example I think it's a great example Lobos Buap in their preseason, in the first three games lost to Oaxaca uh, Tapachula and Puebla and we all know how well they've done so far this season so yeah I, I don't think you can learn anything from preseason friendlies well, you, you, okay, you can learn little bits, but I don't think you can learn much. Next one from at SG underscore Calcio, Steve Graff from Footmix Nation, who asks, what do you think of the news that of Andres Fassi's proposal to the FMF uh, that also includes a story against the sack? So that's not what I read. I read that uh, he wanted to outline 10 bullet points for... Juan Carlos Osorio to consider um, in the future of his management of Mexico. <sighs> what do I think? I mean, I'm sure Fassi is a, a guy who's worth listening to, vice president of Pachuca. But he's he's not anything to do with Mexico, you know? He's the vice president of Pachuca. He works in, in club football. I don't think he should be particularly involved in this. You know, if he wants to call his own press conference and make some statements about his opinions on Osorio, then 
sure, he's more than entitled to do that. But I don't think he should be given an official platform um, to make these proposals to Asuria and the FMF. He, he's nothing to do with them. He's, he, he's, yeah, vice president of Pachuca. He doesn't work for um, the FMF or, you know, it, like, why should his opinion be taken any more so than any other person involved in a Liga Mekis club? Why should his opinion be taken any more so than a journalist writing about it? I don't see why he should be given any sort of uh, major official platform that Asurio then has to listen to him. You know, I, I stick to um, the club football. If he has opinions, then like I said, feel free to to voice them on his own platform. But no, I I just think you're getting into a dangerous situation when you're letting you know every man and his dog um, make suggestions and give their their opinions on what. Asuria is doing right and wrong and I'm sure Asuria could have benefit from people analysing him and his performances but you know that should come from his own team and that should come from the FMF in my opinion um, I'm not sure that it's right especially for someone who has a vested interest like Andres Fassi to, to be making um statements and bullet points that have to be listened to or whatever you know I'm just not sure about the whole thing final question this week comes from at this padre who asks uh, will Lobos Wap find similar success as Hoffenheim so Hoffenheim last season were massive overachievers in the Bundesliga they came fourth in the league uh, qualifying for the Champions League which was an incredible achievement. They were the longest unbeaten team from the start of the season um, in the big European leagues, which is amazing. So, yeah, they had superb success as a, a small club, very small club. Uh, will Lobos find similar success? I don't think they will do quite as well. It's very early on to say. They've picked up a good point against Santos in week one. They got an amazing win against Queretaro last week. But Queretaro were awful that game and they will face much tougher challenges in the future. Um, plus, yeah, they were... Their all-round performance was really, really good. And uh, I loved how they pushed the fullbacks really high. They made the pitch very wide it created a lot of space uh, in the middle and there was a lot of fluid movement with the front three of the Quinones brothers and the Mario Scotto uh, I thought Medina had a very good game the defence played very well too young um, Tessero 21 year old Mexican centre back had a superb match so certainly one to watch there but they relied on a lot of class in the final third I've gone over the two goals they scored from crosses you know they won't have that kind of quality uh, headers and volleys every week that's not going to they're not going to remain consistent in that regard uh, the free kick goal that Massa scored was clever quick free kick 
they're not going to come up with goals like that every week. The final goal was on the counter and it was a, a delightful trip from Diego Jimenez. He's not going to produce those kind of finishes every week. And they're not going to, you know, that, that, that counter-attack was just because Keletro had given up, really, and were just pushing players forward in search of a goal. So they're not going to be able to rely on that sort of quality every week in the final third. But overall, they did play really, really well against Keletro. I'm very much looking forward to seeing them in the coming weeks, see how they develop, see if they can keep up that level of performance. To say they're going to do as well as Hoffenheim, though, I think is a big stretch. But what I would certainly say right now is that we're going to have a relegation battle on our hands this season. Well, at least I'm I'm fairly sure and very hopeful because, uh, as we saw last season, it makes the league so much more exciting when we've got that relegation battle. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra. Thanks a lot to World Football Index for hosting this podcast on their feed. Please do check out their feed for other great football and soccer podcasts. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at TomH underscore 36 to keep up with all my articles and podcasts. So thanks again for watching and I'll catch you all next time.